Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 50 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angela. Now, first things first, Angela, congrats. 50 episodes in, and we're still alive. We haven't killed each other. We're still uh, pertinent. Uh, I don't know what other accolades we could give ourselves other than being we're still around and we're still growing. Well, we're actually enjoying doing this. It's uh, Oh, uh, yeah, I guess that counts. It's not getting old at all, I think. Friendship achieved. Yeah, good job. I should uh, We should put that achievement on locked noise right there. Uh, 50 episodes in and I'm still having fun. I guess it's more than 50 episodes if you count the few little bonus things we did. Right, like we uh, threw out that April Fool's uh, Day one a couple of uh, weeks ago. So if you want to want to go check that out, head over to doubledensity.net. It's a lost recording of Angela Knight from 1999, if you can believe that. Yeah, Ryan was 12. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. I was a child prodigy. How dare you? Yeah, and I was the creepy 20-something-year-old talking to a 12-year-old. But the, you say that now, but like, there's a lot of like um, kids movies that have sort of that basis with the older protagonist and like the kid adventurer, right? Like the Goonies, like Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, I never thought of that with uh, Short Round. Yeah, so we're like uh, culturally insensitive, yes, but at the same time, um, there's a lot of those kinds of movies out there. So I don't think it's creepy. It's only creepy if you frame it as creepy. Also, if it was real, but uh, it was a fun little April Fool's thing, and uh, I thought. Brian, that was all Brian, by the way. I, I just showed up and talked into a microphone. Brian did the rest for that thing. Uh, well, you know, it was my New Year's Day gift to you. Yeah, there we go. So 50 episodes in. Uh, uh, what? What? Nothing. Let's continue okay. talking about 50 episodes. Yeah, 50 episodes in and uh, we've survived. People are actually listening and uh, do we say tuning in? Do you tune your dial to your podcast app of choice? <laughs> I guess so. You're, you're fingered in. You finger in like your app choice and your episode choice. Yeah. You touch in. Yeah, there we go. And uh, you subscribe to various podcasts of various natures. And here are modernities. So episode 50 is a kind of a special one because uh, we decided that we wanted to do updates on some old items, some newer items, and sort of like explore some of the stuff and kind of take things in a different direction that we may not have done originally uh, when covering a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and we want to stress it'll still be new stuff. We're not going to be doing a clip show like we promised. We could though. We, I mean, a clip show almost seems like way more like time of a time commitment versus versus this. I actually can't imagine having to go and find all these clips and put them together. It's way faster to just talk for about an hour or so and then edit that together and have people listen to that because I do not want to go back and look for clips and timestamps of things. Are you crazy? So what you're saying is that episode 100 will not be a clip show. 100% not a clip show. All original content. I might not even want to acknowledge that it's episode 100. Oh, I like the move. I like the move on that one. Well, to be fair, like this week, as well as like next week's episode 51 are kind of like special events. Yeah, we kind of planned them for a while out because uh, we knew we wanted to kind of touch back on uh, on things we had mentioned earlier with episode 50 and kind of update things. And episode 51, um, if you think about it, is pretty obvious what the topic has to be. So uh, the topic, yes, the approach is something I haven't seen uh, done yet. And we won't mention that to not spoil the surprise, but it's going to be fun. Uh, but before that, we should be talking about this week. So what we've done is Angela and I have each chosen a couple of tech items and a couple of uh, paranormal items. And we'll kind of uh, run through them, sort of update people, uh, talk about um, different facets of some of these things. So without further ado, Angela, I know that you have your list up and ready. So what is your first tech item that you'd like to talk about? Well, I, one of the things I really enjoyed doing this year was putting together a RetroPie after finding out that the SNES Mini Classic, is that the name of it, I guess? Yeah. Wasn't maybe going to be available where I live. 
I kind of wanted to get something together. And I'd been thinking about the RetroPie for a long time, and I put it all together. Just the the whole actual project of putting it all together was the most fun thing I did with it because finding the ROMs, putting them together, uh, looking for the cover art of them, putting the actual RetroPie together, all that stuff was actually a lot of fun. And uh, almost as much fun as just playing these old video games, which I still do from time to time. That's something that I did want to mention is that I didn't just put it together and it's gathering dust. I do kind of fire it up several times a month, at least. I played uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time this weekend with the kids. And I'm sure Brian would be very proud of that because I think that's one of his favorite games. It totally is. I have very fond childhood memories of that. And um, beyond that, like what uh, what else did you play this weekend if you played anything? Uh, well, like usual, we've played a lot of Zelda. Uh, we keep playing Zelda. And um, I'm very proud to say we only have four shrines left to find out of the 120 that there are in the game. Wow, that's a good number. Yeah, I'm actually impressed that we're playing it this much. We started playing it last May beginning of last May, and we've continued playing it pretty much consistently since then. And I'll have to say, like going back to SNES games, my favorite game of all time was Super Metroid, and it has been surpassed by Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a ringing endorsement there. Are there any games that you want to get to in the coming year that you haven't had the chance to for whatever reason? Yeah. Number one on that list is Chrono Trigger. Oh, that's a good one. Did you hear about the horrible remake that they released for uh, mobile? recently yes i saw several people complaining about it on twitter and i stayed away from it i'll play the emulated version on my RetroPie happily i guess it's not perfect uh, emulated but it's so that's something i i just actually speaking of emulation it's really good it's not that bad i can't really tell much of a difference maybe because i'm not a an audiophile type person where the minor things don't drive me crazy but I really haven't noticed many places where these games don't hold true to what I think the original felt like when I initially played it like 20 years ago, if that makes any sense. It does. And that's great news that you can't tell the difference between the two. Uh, a friend of mine has a retro pie. And unfortunately, the big thing with him is lag. And I told him that when he first bought his uh, controllers that he was having a lag problem. And then he didn't believe me, only to come back several weeks later and admit that I was right and that he was wrong. And I felt a sad kind of vindication because I know how much he wanted to play Contra without having to deal with lag. I played Contra, did not feel any lag, but it could also be that um, I just don't notice that type of stuff. But on this thing, no, I don't feel like there's any lag. I'm using wireless PS3 controllers and they seem fine. There you go. I'm happy to hear that you are continuing to uh, expose your kids to uh, great video games, both old and new. Uh, Something else that we wanted to talk about, which is your second item, which is you have this like weird propensity for getting like weird mail. Okay. well, back in episode 15, we talked about this bizarre spam call I got. Uh, It was left on our uh, voicemail at home saying that the Canadian Revenue Agency was going to come after me. There was a warrant out for my arrest or something. It was in a weird robo voice. And uh, funny enough, I just did my taxes today. Uh, That's all done and out of the way. Technology-wise, doing your taxes now, not too hard anymore. Although I do wish we didn't have to do this. Like We have a government, we pay taxes, and then they make us do work to pay more taxes. It drives me crazy. Although usually most people get a return, but sometimes you don't. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Angelo Fiorentino, libertarian, here on the line today talking right about his rights as a citizen and how much he hates taxes. Well, you just made me think uh, today was a holiday here as we record this, and uh, I was doing my taxes in my home on a holiday. Bill Cooper would have been horrified. He would have been so mad at you, Angelo. Thankfully, he's not around. But yes, uh, taxes are an interesting issue. My dad is uh, an accountant, and he tells tales of uh, the younger years when he had to uh, drive up to the Canadian River New Agency uh, building here in Montreal and drop off like a stack of clients, uh, like pretty much on the deadline. And the weird thing is, like, you'd, like you'd see all these people parking along these streets, running in with like folders and folders of things in order to make the deadline. It was kind of amusing. Now you don't really need to worry about that because you just click a couple of buttons and it submits it to the internet. I seriously did uh, the taxes in less than two hours this morning. Well, there you go. Uh, are you using the podcast as a deduction? I We don't make any money off this podcast, so not yet. What a great segue. Anyways, if anyone wants to sponsor us, double uh, <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. We're always open to sponsorship opportunities. Any ad revenue generated will go right back into the podcast. I can then get Angelo out into the field doing important field work, such as looking for the Memphrey monster. So yeah, go ahead and let us know if you uh, are able uh, to financially support us. But speaking of that, uh, you recently got a really interesting spam email that actually made me laugh out loud. And I shared with a couple of people. So uh, I think the floor is yours for dramatic reading. So this email went out to several of uh, a lot of the email addresses at work. Um, but here we go. I'll do my best to read it um, in all seriousness. It starts. Good day. Do not mind my illiteracy. I am from Japan. I uploaded the malicious program on your system. Since that moment, I pilfered all privy background from your system. Additionally, I have some more compromising evidence. The most interesting evidence that I stole, it's a videotape with your masturbation. I adjusted virus on a porn website and after you loaded it, when you decided with the video and tapped on a play button. My deletrious soft at once set up on your system. After adjusting, your camera shoot the videotape with you self-abusing. In addition, it saved precisely the porn video you masturbated on. In next few days, my malware collected all your social and work contacts. If you wish to eliminate the compromising evidence, send me 290 euro in BTC. Here is my BTC address. Whole bunch of garbage. You have 32 hours since now. If I receive transfer, I will destroy the videotape evermore. Otherwise, I will send the tape to all your contacts. Angelo, I think they finally caught up to you, dude. Yep. The, I, th I think there might be problems. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I read this, sent it to a few of my colleagues. We all thought it was hilarious. Uh, sp specifically since, you know, we don't really have video cameras at work on our computers. They're not set up for that. And... Obviously, this is sent with the intent that the person that gets this was watching porn does have a computer with a video camera on it, which uh, I would say is a huge portion of the population out there. Would you not agree? Uh, Work-wise, no, but in personal life, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think there's people jacking it at their desks in most So offices. you don't think that there's a man with a videotape? I am relatively certain if there is, we'll welcome you onto the show and ask you how you did this. So uh, sidebar, I um, interesting story. I was at work last week. And uh, so where I sit, 
uh, temporarily in an office near like my open concept area, uh, sits an older woman who's like an admin assistant. And we recently upgraded to the office 2016 suite, which includes, um, Skype for work. And, uh, so the it guy is kind of explaining this and this woman's older, you know, um, I'd say in her sixties or seventies. And, uh, she she realizes that Skype is on her computer and she starts freaking out. She goes, what is this? And, you know, the, the IT guy's like, well, you know, it's a messaging system. If you can't reach someone on the phone and you don't want to leave a message, you can always just type to them and they'll see it when they get back to their computer. And then she came out with uh, Skype. Friends have warned me about Skype. Men from Europe can watch you. And then they ask her to transfer bitcoins. <laughs> but like it was very specific. She kept saying like men from Europe. And then he explained in order for anyone only to- Europe. Yeah. And then the IT guy who has the patience of a saint was saying, listen, uh, only uh, computers with webcams on them can uh, be seen in that way. Your computer clearly doesn't have a webcam, so don't worry about it. People don't think about that, though. They just think computers, danger, Russians taking everything, looking at you, Europeans. Yeah, listen, if you're if you're a European man who's watching women in Montreal, we'd love to have you on the show, you creep. Through Spike, through Spike, uh, <laughs> through Skype specifically. I like the idea of spite, which is like the uh, the social network for people who are just egregious about things. <laughs> so yeah, what are you going to do about this? Are you uh, working up your mustard, trying to find your Bitcoin? Yeah, I'm uh, hacking away. I bought a few new video cards, plugged them into my Mac. They're not doing anything because my Mac can't use external video cards. But hey, I'm trying hard. I'm proud of you. You can always make a Hackintosh. I will. I'm just, you know what? I'll just build a new PC. And not go. worth, uh, I could, if it's just for games and stuff, it's better to have Windows anyway. So I'll build a gaming PC, uh, get the best video card, have it mined for cryptocurrency. It'll warm up my house as well because they burn so hot uh, when you're cryptocurrency mining. I There's a whole episode about cryptocurrency we can do, which we're probably not going to. I'd love to see the headline now, you know, like man mines cryptocurrency in order to retrieve a masturbation videotape. Yeah, and only have 32 hours, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, dude, you better mine fast. You better grab... You better start a, uh, like a botnet attack, basically. I need him to destroy that tape evermore, as Robert Plant would say. Also, his deter- his deleterious soft... Not even software. Just no, it's soft. soft. He, knows, he knows. He knows, man. He's leaked. Yeah, he, is, he is OG elite. Double density. The third thing on my list was... Uh, we mentioned that many times SoundCloud is terrible. We put out, what, the first 18 episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or so? And it, it kind of fought us like every step of the way, don't you find? It was ridiculous. Initially, both of us thought, you know what? SoundCloud, it's pretty good. Great price, uh, maybe for a reason. It's really not meant for podcasts. They did have like a podcast setup page and stuff, but... Um, the service was not there when you need it. And we moved to uh, pretty much the antithesis of SoundCloud, which is Fireside, where you get service like almost instantaneously, so much so that you get into the service and they sign you up for a Slack. And you pretty much talk with the founder of the company, who's also a podcaster and has some great information and insights for you, as well as anytime he can't help you on the Slack, he says, hey, file a ticket, we'll help you out. And he usually gets helped out pretty quickly. And I'd say since we signed up with Fireside, it's pretty much just gotten better and better. Uh, They've rolled out a whole bunch of changes. Our website might look different soon too, because they're rolling out some new themes, which would be a lot of fun as well. If you want to go ahead and check it out, if you're an aspiring podcaster, fireside.fm, why not do the free plug there while we're at it? 
Yeah, they're uh, great. They do not pay us for that, but we are happy to plug them because they're great. There's something to be said about good customer service, I think. And uh, fundamentally, that's what we're getting. Fireside's a lot of fun, actually. With uh, they, they, they even gave me a discount once. I was complimenting Dan Benjamin's new podcast, well, newish podcast, Killing Time with Hattie Cook, who also works at Fireside, I believe, or at 5 by 5 which is his podcast network. And uh, they're like, uh, hey, he's a Fireside customer. Let's give him a discount. And they did. And uh, they'll do that pretty often. Like uh, when we signed up from SoundCloud, we actually got a discount based on that. Uh, 20% off, in fact, for the first three months, which is pretty good and well worth it. Like we said, SoundCloud. Uh, Brian, would you say it uh, sucks? SoundCloud is not fun if you're a podcaster. If you're a DJ with mixes or, or a uh, SoundCloud rapper looking to make it big, eh, it's, it's a good platform for that. But otherwise, I'd say stay clear of that. Try to find another service, hey, including Fireside.fm. Yeah, and I know uh, Into the Portal, our friends from uh, BC, also uh, switched from SoundCloud recently. They switched to Audio Boom, which a lot of our podcasting friends seem to enjoy as well. So there's really good choices out there for podcasters. Uh, SoundCloud, not one of those choices. That is correct. So I have three items I'd like to talk about uh, in this episode. The first one is something that I've been following, and I guess every uh, 10 or so episodes I do an update on, and that is our friend. Uh, well, I use the friend in kind of like a vague kind of sense because he really isn't our friend. Uh, but I'm talking about Mad Mike Hughes' quest to launch a rocket to prove that the Earth is shaped like a Frisbee, his words, not mine. He finally launched, did he not? He launched a couple of weeks ago, yes. So he shot himself almost 1,900 feet into the air. And uh, his parachute broke open his, uh, I think his like nose, the rocket nose broke. He was carried off and he said he was going to be in pain in the morning, but he uh, did it. It is unclear at this point what data he actually collected uh, during this launch. And his plan was 68 miles? No. So his, his next step is that he wants to build a combination rocket balloon that will take him 68 miles into the, off of the surface in order to prove the Frisbee shape. So he didn't discover yet that the earth is like you know round he hasn't no he has not he no he has not and this is after several failed attempts right where he believed that the government was trying to shut him down even though he was just trying to launch himself on government property which is kind of problematic and then uh, there's several false starts so he finally just went ahead and did it a couple of weeks ago and uh yeah he uh i'm really not sure what data he collected other than yes i launched myself well congratulations mike hughes you did it so the only silver lining of all this is that i really admire um uh people who uh take their hypotheses into their own hands and decide to do the research or the work, you know, it's so like uh, all these like uh, daredevil scientists and, you know, people who have these ideas and go out and, you know, as long as you're not actually hurting another human being, like I'm all for exploration and like trying to figure out a, and verifying your thesis. Uh, in this case, I don't think he verified his thesis. <laughs> no, no, he did not. Um, 1900 feet in the air. I think there are buildings taller than that. It's, it's stupidly admirable is the way I'd call this little one, this little caper. <laughs> this little one. He's like a child. Yeah. Well, if you saw the picture of him in the stretcher, he kind of did look like a child. I, I don't know if I feel bad for him. I guess he's, like you said, he's trying, he's doing something. He's just so wrong though. Like he doesn't, he could do this for the fun of it, just like for the excitement. But the whole fact that he's trying to prove that the earth is flat when it clearly is not, is sort of sad. And anybody, any, there's no actual scientist with like, a scientician degree that uh, can would say in any way that the earth is flat. You know what though? I'd issue a challenge. Any flat earthers out there that want to come on to double density and talk to us, 
please do. You can tweet at us at double underscore density, uh, facebook.com slash double density podcast, same address on Instagram, or click on the contact button on double density.net in order to come on and uh, let's have a chat about your belief system and how wrong it is. Uh, however, keep in mind, at least one of us will be groaning a lot. Well, I mean, that'll be cut out in post, I think. Um, I keep some of it. <laughs> groaning yeah, like Marge. I, I mean, that's the thing is that like, if you want to encourage people to do these things, that's great. Uh, you know, as long as they're collecting the data, which in this case is not happening. No, he's, uh, he's just collecting the, uh, the admiration of the many, many flat earthers out there, including several, uh, professional athletes. And also several people on different subreddits. Yeah. Uh, home assistants are something that we've talked about a lot on our program. So we talked about the HomePod on episode 41. Uh, we've talked about how the HomePod creates rings on wooden surfaces on episode 44. We talked about Alexa laughing at you on episode 47 most recently. Uh, home assistants are here to stay, I'd imagine, right? I, I think you can agree with that statement. They are. Uh, it's probably one of the fastest growing things on the market right now in terms of technology. Uh, smartphones, I guess, have sort of flattened out at this point. Smart assistants, on the other hand, not many people I know have them. The only reason I have some is because I got them free. Uh, yeah, with your Nest security system, right? Uh, with my smoke alarm, which actually went off for the first time this weekend when we burnt some bacon and um, worked very well, actually. Well, congrats on saving your family from a bacon fire. Yeah, my kids were wondering what was talking. Oh, so it talks. What does it say to you? Yeah, it says, heads up, uh, smoke's detected. And then I can I went into the app to try and silence the app. It says, "Are you sure?" Because there's smoke. And then uh, it it silenced the alarm. And then it sent me another message saying that the smoke was dissipating. What do you do if you don't have your phone on you? Then if you're it's, it's in another room, you run to go get it. I can I can press the the button in the middle of the Nest Protect. Okay, so in that case, you can. There's still a physical wave, and for you can you can turn it off. Yeah. The, the, well, that's the thing I mentioned about these things is that yes, they're smart, but they're also safety devices so they're they work like dumb ones as well which is good news i think <laughs> yes especially for something like a smoke alarm so i want you to put an eye patch on and sort of like half vision what the future looks like so you can do that with me you want to take this little ride with me take a walk yeah always willing to so in the future right we have a combination of a home assistant smartphone and, and i think that's depicted in a lot of like different science fiction movies and tv shows where you have this thing on your wrist that does everything for you right like her yeah, sort of. Or, um, yeah, I, I definitely or the new novel uh, by the guy who wrote The Martian, Artemis, which was not a great novel, but he ha the main protagonist, she had this uh, thing on her arm that sort of like was like a, a, an everything assistant, pretty much. OK, it was like your wallet, your phone, et cetera, et cetera. And so what I think the thing is that, like, you know, with all of this, there's never a discussion of like where this information is stored, who controls the information, what can you do with it? Right. So, I, I mean, we're having all these conversations about Facebook right now and how uh, it violates your privacy in different ways. And, you know, it sells your information to the highest bidder and you, you sort of get like compromised in a lot of ways. And I feel like that discussion is going to need to happen sooner rather than later about the things that follow you around and collect even the most intimate details about your life. For sure. These things are in your house and they're always listening and like you said, I mean, we kind of already have the personal assistants, but they're nothing close to what you see in uh, science fiction. But it is a conversation we're going to have to start having, especially with children, where once they're our age, they're going to have a completely different world, more so than we did, I think. 
I also feel like when they're like 18, they should have like one chance to delete their prior internet history. And I don't mean that in like in a, a hiding your like visits to porn sites, but I mean like your digital path, right? Because up until then, it hasn't been controlled necessarily by you, right? Like when you were a kid, your parents post pictures of you, your family posts pictures of you. So you don't really have a right to those images. Oh, that's a really good point. I never thought of it that way. I try not to post too many pictures of my kids, although I do. It's just nothing crazy. I'm just curious to see where that'll head. And the thing is, like, your your son and your daughter don't necessarily get to choose when and where you're going to post these things. Um, and so, like, I think that's a really interesting discussion to have as we move forward as a society about what we're going to do with all this information that's sort of sitting there and, you know, exists in such a way that you weren't allowed, uh, not necessarily access to it, but, like, the privilege of posting these things. Sort of like a little reset button for your your previous life. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that like you get to control uh, what's out there about you, right? As like we as adults get to do that. Um, so I feel like people becoming uh, of an age of majority need to sort of have that too. I don't think it'll ever happen, unfortunately, but it is something that I feel should exist, uh, especially as more and more information and all of these like different vitals are collected about uh, children. What's funny is kind of happening to happening to me now with my dad figuring out how to scan old pictures on his iPhone and post them on Facebook. So kid pictures of myself are showing up on his Facebook page now. Are they flattering at least? Yeah, they're little kid pictures. I mean, there weren't that many. Most pictures you took back then used to end up being posed anyway because, well, you didn't have unlimited film. You had that roll of 24 or 36 or whatever, and that's all you had to work with. So you kind of had to make sure the shot was good. Uh, that's a very good point. I, I kind of picture you with an adult head, but like you have a cowlick. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the last item I'd like to talk about is something that kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just discussing. And that's the idea of tech obsession. So episode 26, I do remember I was doing a very deep dive talking about this one article and about how uh, we're obsessed with the things around us and how that's a hard cycle to break. Right. So in tandem with thinking about uh, privacy concerns is how do we actually regulate what's around us and who has a right to see us and collect information about us, um, both in private and public and how like we allow this to happen ourselves. But at one point do we say no more? I think that's sort of starting to happen with the revelations about the data breaches on Facebook. And that's something that I don't think either of us were really affected by too much because we're overly cautious when it comes to stuff like that. I know for for one, I didn't have any of those weird apps that, you know, like it's like your, your favorite fart button or whatever, like things on <laughs> Facebook. It's like, what type of fart does your hair make? Well, I don't know. It's always farts, right? But uh, all these stupid apps on Facebook I never sign up for them because I, I can't stand stuff like that. So when I went to look at what kind of data was on me on Facebook, there was pretty much nothing because I never sign up for these. Uh, we've mentioned this before. I think this goes back to like episode three or four where I say I'm like an app hipster and I like only like like boutique type apps where like they're uh, made specifically for people. Curated like almost. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm, I'll almost never download a freemium type app unless uh, I know who the developer is. Like, <laughs> it's funny. Like I, I, most of the, po- most of the apps I have are by like single developers, like that. I also listen to their podcasts. So what you're saying is that you kind of know what you're getting into when you download something. Very much so. I like, I, I pretty much know several of the apps on my phone, like uh, to, to name a few off the top of my head, uh, like PCalc, which is a, an amazing calculator app. I've listened to the, 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 uh, 
the developer of that app, uh, James Thompson, on several podcasts. I've mentioned Overcast like dozens and dozens of time and times, and that's by Mark Arment, who hosts uh, the Accidental Tech Podcast, among others. Uh, there's the Carrot Weather app, which is made by one guy who's who I've heard on podcasts as a guest. I try not to download too many weird apps. And then the other apps I have are apps from companies I more or less trust. Right. So at least you're very vigilant about what you keep on your phone. Facebook is not on my phone in any way, shape, or form, like not even Messenger. Oh, well, I guess that's a lie, right? Instagram, I guess, would count. But it's, it's not Facebook the property, same. Yeah. It's a um, thing. Yeah, Instagram, though. I don't know. I think I feel it's different from Facebook or am I just being... Well, the thing is they don't have as many metrics. They can like they can do location stuff, but they don't really... Uh, I mean, also they can sort of parse through your hashtags and see what you are interested in, I guess. But apart from that, they don't really have much more uh, beyond the basic facts, whereas Facebook collects uh, much more insidious things, including uh, your relationship to different users, right? Yes, and how... They relate to to everyone. With all that in mind, it'll be inter- really interesting to see, uh, you know, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they they are all still collecting information about you. And I, I think the question is like, where is this going to go? And you know, will you be allowed to sort of like permanently delete yourself? Um, which I think will be an ever growing issue with people. And I think that'll open up more and more, as you were saying before, especially with these Facebook revelations, right? And people are finally realizing the extent to which things are collected. So I do think we hear double density and I love saying that because it sounds like we're like a, a news group and it's just you and I, but we here at double density will be continuing to monitor the situations at hand and uh, sort of uh, reflect uh, about the things uh, that we do see both uh, personally as well as like through news items as well as on items through social media. Yeah, and um, just to touch on this, one last thing. Recently, uh, Apple had an update of iOS. Did you notice, have you updated, by the way? No, not yet. So when you update, uh, when you first start your phone, you're going to see a message saying privacy. And there's this new image that pops up on your phone when, um, well, it says this icon appears when uh, an app when an Apple app or feature is asking you um, to use your personal information, you won't see this icon with every feature since Apple only collects this information when it's needed to enable features to secure our services or to personalize your experience. Apple believes privacy is a fundamental human right, so every Apple product is designed to use on-device processing whenever possible, limit the collection and use of data, provide transparency and control over your information, build on a strong foundation of security which is kind of like just sticking it to Facebook uh, just recently after all their problems. And uh, Tim Cook also said uh, recently that uh, he was asked, what would he do if he was uh, Mark Zuckerberg in this situation? And he basically said, I wouldn't be in this situation. (laughs) Uh, Good news for everyone who uses an Apple product, I guess. Angelo forever standing for Apple out here on the double density slash Apple enthusiast podcast. And with that, we're going to head on over. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Can we like uh, dispel that myth in episode 50 where it's like, I'm not like a crazy fanboy. I think it's an, it's a persona you like to play. I guess. All right. Okay. Continue, continue (laughs) going on to the, to the paranormal section. Yeah. Let's, let's go to the paranormal section to talk about non Apple things though. Apple might slip in. We're not sure. All right. Maybe. Testing. My name is Toby, and I'm the host of the Secret Transmission Podcast. We are a show that discusses the paranormal, conspiracies, the supernatural, UFOs, cryptozoology, and anything else weird. Our show is transmitted to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter for updates, at Secret Transpod. So get ready to put on your tinfoil hats and come learn with us as we 
try to explain the unexplainable. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal, and uh, we're going to continue our 50th episode uh, extravaganza, as uh, we are informally calling this, uh, by sort of covering some topics that we've talked about in the past that we sort of want to bring up again and sort of shine a new light on. So, Angelo, you want to talk about UFOs, clearly. UFOs, Brian, we talk about them a lot. It's not the only thing we talk about, but yeah, for now, I think most of my favorite things we've talked about this year have been UFO related in one way or another. And uh, in episode six, we kind of talked about UFO presentations, how they're presented to people, how the media portrays them and all that stuff. And since then, we've seen some pretty amazing mainstream UFO coverage, um, starting with uh, Tom DeLong's To the Stars Academy and Beyond or whatever it's called. Yeah, Um, well, let's just call it To the Stars for now. And that's one of the points actually... Uh, wanted to make because um, we talked about sort of like the unveiling of that in October with episode 26 is the idea of um, Tom DeLong creating this sort of like weird media company that also doubles as a scientific research center that also triples as like a UFO exploration center. And he has a ton of people on uh, an advisory capacity um, around him. Yeah. And this is, uh, so we'll be able to build on each other's points here is that since we started the show, because of that, things have changed and it's kind of impressive to see ufos in the mainstream despite the fact that everything else that's going on in the world when the new york times talked about how ufos had been studied by the government it wasn't even like a top news story because of all the other crazy stuff going on in the world unfortunately we've seen a lot more mainstream ufo coverage i'm hoping things move forward like this it's kind of interesting to see it in the news so much Uh, I still haven't seen anything compelling that makes me believe we're being visited by aliens, but it's still fun to see that other people are showing an interest in the topic that both of us and our listeners, I assume, have been following for for a long time, and we're starting to see it more and more. Pretty cool. I think one of the interesting things and one of the notes that I wrote down when I wanted to talk about this is is exactly that fact is it's sort of uh, placed... Um, UFOs and flying saucers and the like sort of into um, the spotlight once again, because when you really think about it, like when was the last time that this kind of stuff was quote unquote relevant, right? Like I'd, I'd say it's probably the mid nineties with, um, you know, those specials on Fox and, you know, the alien autopsy footage, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like the last time that this was sort of like in the uh, public sphere in this way was sort of like, like 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago at this point. And even then it wasn't like this. I, I'd almost equate this more to like, the late forties and early fifties when there was all that UFO rage going on in the world. Yeah. And it's a really interesting thing because I feel like it's, um, it's really sort of brought the subject in such a way that like it legitimizes it. Right. Because like the paper of record ostensibly is the New York times and seeing, uh, coverage of that, uh, in there is, is really, really cool. And I think that like, uh, to the stars itself, as we talked about in the last couple of weeks has done some really good moves. I mean, like the thing is like they've released those three, uh, videos, uh, which had been existing before, but, they've sort of like repackaged them in such a way that it kind of explains uh, more what's going on. And they are intriguing videos. Are they uh, smoking guns? Definitely not, but they're food for thought. And then the whole Atacama um, skeleton issue was sort of really interesting. And I linked to you, I don't know if you read that article from the Atlantic about the idea of like who actually owns the Atacama skeleton body. I haven't had a chance to go through it all, um, but it is interesting. And, and again, it's a sad story more than anything else. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing is, like, it's it's unfortunately like a, a deformed human being that sort of was like paraded around as uh, pseudo evidence of alien existence, which is really sad. But it's sort of a side point to the idea of to the stars because they finally shot down the idea of the thesis of it being an extraterrestrial body, which I thought was really interesting. And so they're sort of legitimizing themselves as I was talking about um, in the past. And it'll be interesting to see where they go from here for the rest of 2018. But at the very least, they have sort of brought ufology um, to the forefront. Uh, for the last couple of months, I'd say, right, at least since it came out in December. For sure. And and speaking of people that brought uh, UFO to the forefront and research and all that, uh, we mentioned Stanton Freeman in um, episode 10, how I said he seems like a nice guy. And recently he retired from UFO research. And that's one of the last big old school names in UFO research, uh, did I agree with everything he had to say? Absolutely not. But I always liked the way he presented things. He was always so jovial and pleasant. Uh, he still is. He's just not really working the UFO circuit anymore. And good for him. It's a well-deserved retirement. I definitely agree with that. And I mean, the thing is that like, I have a lot of issues. Like, for example, he thought the Majestic, still, uh, the Majestic 12 documents were legit. And there's sort of like a lot of questions about where he's coming from. And do you remember a couple of months ago when that, um, that trove of documents purporting to be from area 51 came out and he was sort of like, yes, this, this is probably real. And it, it clearly like, there's a lot of questions about its legitimacy. I remember that. Yeah. He's, he's a little quick to jump on that stuff. And that's fine. And, uh, so I kind of want to tie him back into, uh, some double density lore if you're ready for this, please. So do you remember in episode five when we covered the alien abduction video, the McPherson tapes that found footage movie from the eighties? Yeah, I remember that. That was really fun. So alien abduction colon incident in Lake County was a, a professional remake done uh, in the late nineties aired on UPN in 1998, you know, remade by Dean Aliato. And the interesting thing is, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but um, Stan Freeman is actually one of the people that the interview. So intercut in between this found footage stuff is interviews with UFO experts, including Stan Freeman. And apparently originally he was told that this was for a documentary and uh, what they had done is that they had scrubbed the this is a fictional uh, de- depiction um, slide off of the movie so it looked like it was real and it aired on UPN and all these people were uh, super mad about that and, including Stan Freeman because he called into Coast to Coast AM the night after the viewing and complained that he'd been hoodwinked based on the fact that he was told this was a documentary and then suddenly this was a dramatic uh, redoing of an old tale that wasn't even true. I didn't know that that's kind of a crummy way of getting people to be interviewed for uh, for your project. Why not just tell them it's it's for something dramatic and not uh, and and not uh, nonfiction. So the way that it apparently happened is that they were planning on doing a documentary. They were told this, and then. Um so Dick Clark Productions actually produced this movie and only afterwards did they decide to sort of uh, lie about things, I guess would be the best way of putting it. Cause Stan was saying that he never received a phone call from anyone stating the fact that like the, the scope of the movie had changed. So as far as he was concerned, it was going to be like a big production documentary about this. And suddenly it's this weird recreation of a fictional event and that he was uh, roped into basically unwittingly. They show him like the footage and said that, so they said, this is real. What, what did he have to say about that? Well, he's talking about like abduction phenomena in general. Okay. Okay. So sort of not, you didn't show him the footage. I don't remember if they did or not. I think Um, we figured out that was fake. Yeah, exactly. And so he was just talking about UFO phenomena in general. And unfortunately, like that kind of, um, kind of bled into this issue. And well, look, this ties into my next point, which is something we talked about in episode eight, which is sleep paralysis. 
after many, many, almost, I guess, years of not having it happen, it happened to me just recently. Really? Uh, yeah, it wasn't major, um, but I was having, it was basically a really bad nightmare, but I awoke paralyzed, I guess. But my wife was actually awake. She saw me, she heard me making noise, and she was there to calm me down. So uh, obviously I realized there was no, <laughs> there was no like abduction scenario or anything. My wife was there. I, I kind of snapped out of it very quickly, but it was back to having that feeling of being trapped. And I'm not sure how I would have felt if she hadn't been awake or if uh, I had been alone. I'm glad it didn't happen when I, I on the rare occasion I'm alone. Uh, it would have freaked me out. And I, I can understand why people will sometimes think it's aliens or shadow people or whatever, um, or demons or whatever people would think it is. But I'm, I still stand by the fact that the vast majority of what people think are alien abductions are sleep paralysis. And that's an interesting thing, right? Like the, it's just the idea of like loss of control and people equate it to some supernatural force. And really it's just the way in which your body and mind work in tandem sometimes. Exactly. And look, I don't want to say everything is sleep paralysis because obviously it's not. I, But I'll still stand by the fact that I don't think any of it is actual aliens. Um, but who knows? Again, I do like to leave it open, but not that open. Aliens of the world and other worlds. If you've touched into your podcast app and checked us out and want to go ahead and scare Angelo, please head on over. You could probably figure out his geo coordinates pretty easily. Yeah, come over dressed with a big gray alien head with big black eyes, stand at the corner of my bed, or hmm, even better, go out my window and peek your head up and down, up and down, and show up. And then talk about uh, Star Children for a while, how you fathered Star Children. Double density. Something that we touch upon in this uh, program uh, once in a while is the idea of a sacred site. And what I mean by that is things like the Bermuda Triangle, which we talked about in episode 29, uh, episode 31, the Great Pyramid, which we talked about in episode 29, Area 51, sort of like these weird places of significance. And I always thought like how interesting it is, you know, to pick a space and sort of like create a lore around it. And it's been done a number of times. And I, I find it fascinating that like s stories can be built around places in that way, right? So, you know, speaking sociologically, you know, things like the Great Pyramids, right, that still have probably a lot of like untold secrets to them because we weren't around when they were built, obviously. And so we don't know um, of all of their features and facets. And some people believe there's a lot more to them. Um, I don't necessarily think that's true, but I do think that like, have we uncovered everything that we can uh, with these different uh, sacred sites? I don't think so. Well, with the Great Pyramids, we definitely haven't because they recently discovered that Great Void, as they called it, which we, I guess was episode 29 we talked about. That seems a long time ago. Wow. Uh, and Area 51 is special because we uh, test a lot of military aircraft there, so you see a lot of strange stuff flying in the sky. Uh, the Bermuda Triangle is an interesting one because it's such a huge area. There's nothing significant actually there other than people claim to have had things go strange there or a lot of ships have disappeared. But as we mentioned in the episode where we talked about it, it's not any more significant than ships or planes lost at sea anywhere else. It's just kind of gained this weird notoriety, mainly because people started writing about that specific place. It has to do with a few different ways of looking at it and what catches people's attention. For sure, like the idea of the Ark of the Covenant and where it's located, right? So there's all these like different theories about where it's buried in the world. Yeah, and that was another fun episode where we talked about where that could possibly be and how that works. Uh, and did we mention that some people think it's 
in the Great Pyramid or underneath it? Yeah, I think we talked about that um, during the episode. Uh, so I kind of want you to uh, think about this because I've been thinking a lot about this over the last week when I'm prepping for the show. Like, is there a place in the world that you would love to imbue with some um, supernatural, paranormal, or like other kind of like fun significance? A place that's not like, for example, like a Skinwalker Ranch that's like just a, a, a cavalcade of horror, but you know, a place that like could be fun to like attach a story to. Okay, this is going to be interesting. It's a place I've actually visited, and it would be the Colosseum in Rome. Ooh, that's a good one. Because obviously it already has some significance, but if you made it haunted or people would hear like centurions clanging about underneath in the little areas or anything, anything to make it more like creepy or whatever, like lights emanating from it in the middle of the night when there should be none, that would be kind of cool. I really like that idea, actually. Or every once in a while, like the wall that's come down will actually reappear. <laughs> just fully built? Yeah, just freak people out i like that idea a lot i'm gonna keep things closer to home i'd love it if montreal's mount royal was a little more haunted yeah it's sort of boring right yeah well so to those who aren't aware of this right so montreal is an island and in the middle of it is mount royal which is uh, classified actually as an unactive volcano um and is it's true apparently it's true yeah okay because i was i wasn't sure i always thought that was an urban legend of some kind and I just said unactive, but I meant to say inactive because that is what proper English uh, would dictate. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Thank you. I write for a living. Did you know that? Uh, and uh, so. <laughs> uh, so I love it. The other thing, too, is on Mount Royal, like on one of the sides are are two different cemeteries. Yes, that's true. That uh, I used to love visiting that cemetery when I was a kid. Creepy as that sounds. We used to go and when if you if it was a nice day or whatever, because my, my parents... My mom's relatively religious, so we'd go on All Souls Day. I think that's November 1st, right? Um, we'd go there, and if it was a nice enough day, we'd actually walk around and look at the big mausoleums. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're quite striking. It's a, they're, such, they're so well done. And as a little kid, I thought that stuff was pretty cool. I, I fancied myself a, a young Indiana Jones. So funny story about those mausoleums. Um, a friend of mine once told me that the best day he ever had was when he was visiting the cemetery and someone had left one of the mausoleum doors open. So he kind of peered inside and to that, that classified it as the best day he ever had. Well, okay. And, and that's the thing, right? Those things are always locked tight. So that actually, if you're looking for that, could be a pretty good day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like best day ever though. Like this guy was in his no. 20s too, which I thought was a little weird. Oh, geez. Best day ever. Like at least like when you got your Nintendo the first time. Yeah, the first time. Forget the second time. Yeah. Uh, we also, unfortunately, in our teenage years, a, a, a group of friends and I shot a, a movie, sort of like a, a scenes of a horror movie uh, over there. And uh, one of the best parts of that was I played a killer and my sister struck me in the face uh, with an umbrella. For reals? Oh, yeah. It, it wasn't hard. I mean, it was, it was great. It was great movie making, but yeah, I have very, um, strangely, uh, not best day ever, but still <laughs> some fond memories of one of the Mount Royal cemeteries. So I like it if it were a little bit more spooky, you know, maybe like a, like a zombie outbreak or something. I always thought about that when I was a kid, but I, you know, I'd seen none of the living dead sort of like probably too early for my own good. And I always figured like one day this is going to happen right here. And I kind of got like oddly excited about the idea of a post apocalyptic world. I was a very strange kid. Don't ask. Well, and that doesn't happen anymore because uh, I know as a, I, as a kid, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, I guess I was like seven or eight, and I have a, a little girl who just turned nine, and there's no way I would ever let her see that. But back then, well, you know, whatever was on TV, 
he had the movie channels, he got to see some pretty crazy stuff. I'm beginning to believe something though. So sleep paralysis, nightmare on Elm Street, are they tied together, Angelo? Well, I'll tell you, for the longest time, I was terrified that something would come out from behind my bed because there's a scene where Freddy Krueger kind of just shows up from behind the bed. I don't know if you know the scene I'm talking about. I do, yes. But yeah, that creeped me out for pretty much 10 years. Can't wait to text you when we finish recording this tonight and make sure that you remember that right before you go to bed. I'm not that scared about stuff like that anymore. True friendship right here. Thanks, Brian. 50 episodes in and I'm still trying to troll you. Double density. The final thing I wanted to talk about tonight, um, some episodes ago, 36 or 37, I think we had made predictions for uh, the paranormal in 2018. And I'd like to bring back the fact that like, this is still the year of Bigfoot or Big Feet. I'm convinced that, you know, Big Feet, they're just waiting for a thong in North America before they reemerge. Uh, you know, so early April, mid April. So, you know, like right about when we drop this episode, I do believe that we're going to have more Bigfoot sightings this year. Yeah, at least you said it right the the last time there, Bigfoot, uh, because I believe you were actually corrected on Twitter. Imagine a world of Big Feet just coordinating the revealings, right? Like, so, you know, the variations of Big Feet exist out in the world, including the Yeti, the Snowman, the Sasquatch. How do they contact each other? Is there like a delivery service? Do they have birds flying to and fro with messages? What do you think? I would imagine they communicate by like carrier pigeon or something. I do like the idea of an app that they use, though. An app. What would you call this app, Brian? I would call it Feeder. Feeder the app. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Here's a here's a here's a free app idea, people of the world. The only thing though is that you um is interestingly enough, right? Like uh consider the idea that big feet uh don't really control their social media presence, nor do they have a lot of info, right? So uh, technically speaking, they're pretty lucky. Yeah, well their thumbs are way too big for smartphones. Well no, they use tablets, obviously. A giant iPad their thumbs feel like normal. And that's what I'm saying is that like the idea of like, they're actually kind of lucky if you really think about it because of the fact that they don't have to worry about all this data existing about them because it's so scarce. I mean, apart from like some of the famous footage, can you really claim that you know a lot of personally about big feet around the world? No, I don't. And actually before somebody corrects us on Twitter, we, we do know that they use wood knocking to communicate. We're talking about more vast distances. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the idea of like a, a, a like a, a web of 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 cryptids who just talk to each other, and how do they talk to each other? A web ring of cryptids. <laughs> just click here to proceed. Sounds like a good idea. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder what they would think of the internet. Actually, they'd think, "Why are people talking about us so much? Why are all these podcasts about cryptids out there?" I would love a shot of a of a Bigfoot visiting like a, a public library and just sitting down in front of those like free use computers trying to figure things out, <laughs> scratching his head. <laughs> and that would be like the first of a reveal. And he's just like, listen, we're trying to gather intel here. It's a Harry and the Hendersons for the 21st century. I think we've exhausted the big feet topic here. Although they should remake Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Is that something that you want to push out into the world? Yeah, guys, if you can. Put that on your vision board. All right. Before you go to bed tonight and dream of Freddy Krueger, put that on your vision board. Thanks, Freddy Krueger. And with that, we're going to bring episode 50 of A Double Density to close. Join us next week as we take a week-long road trip and discover that the secret to friendship was in front of us the whole time. Angelo, it's been a pleasure. Before I forget, you can visit us on various places on the internet. You can go ahead and tweet at us. Our account is double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. And hey, head over to doubledensity.net see all the newest shows including the recent april fools episode you can click on the host's page to find out a little bit more about us and how you can contact us personally and then hey click on the blog button or hey even the contact tab let us know what you think if you have any ideas if you want to yell at me for saying big feet humorously again that's fine you can go ahead and do so 
Yeah, I think that's it for this 50th episode extravaganza. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Just you wait till next week. I think 51 is going to be even better than 50. Believe in me. Also, before I forget, the railings have yet to answer me, but that's okay. I'm still going to wait it out. Yeah, I'm sure they'll accept a bid on your awesome UFO treehouse. I told my parents this weekend if I were to win the bid that the UFO would live in their backyard. My mother sort of shrugged, so I think that's a yes. Yeah, that's a yes for sure. When parents shrug, it means yeah. (laughs) All right, Angel, I'll see you next week. See you, Brian. We, we've seen, oh great, the cat's playing with balls. (laughs) Do you hear the balls in the background? I do, yes. Hold on a second.